Good morning to you. Aren't you glad for the cooler weather we're having these days? Yes. Um, I add my welcome to what everyone else has said to all of our educators that are here today. Um, thank you for being here. We ask our teachers from our schools to our various educational branches to join us on this one day of the year so we can bless them. We can look at them in the face and say, we love you. We are thankful for God's calling on your life and for what you do here on this campus as we endeavor to reach the next generation for Jesus. I also want to mention, where's Marty? Dr. Marty, thank you for what you're doing with Bethesda School of Ministry. It's incredible. Just incredible. I continue to be amazed. We'll be praying for all educators, as we've already indicated at the end of the service. And so whatever uh, aspect of education you are involved in, we want to pray for you as well. Just as an aside, um, this weekend on the Jewish calendar is the observance of Rosh Kodesh Ilal, which is a time of repentance and searching of one's heart. It's to draw close to God in preparation for the high and holy days of Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, which will be coming later this year. Um, I did a little looking into that, that word Elul, E-L-U-L, and it can be understood to be an acronym for the Hebrew spelling of that beautiful phrase that we get from the Song of Solomon, I am my beloved's and he is mine. How many are glad you belong to Jesus today? I'm asking you to turn this morning to the book of Judges. If you have your Bible or you have your device, and if you don't, you can share with the person next to you, and uh, we'll be projecting obviously also on the screen. Go to the book of Judges in the Old Testament, and let's meet at chapter 6. And as I want to talk today about understanding and fulfilling the call of God on your life, understanding and fulfilling the call of God on your life. If I were to try to say it in its simplest form, it would be this. It would be as simple as saying, Lord, I am yours to command where you lead me. To the one who truly wants to fulfill the call of God on their life, the deepest cry of their heart, that, that which will resonate most from them, from their innermost being, will be that statement, Lord, I am yours to command where you lead me. Now, most Christians will somewhere in the journey. We all have, and we all, if you haven't, you will, we wrestle with the question, what is the will of God for my life? What is the calling of God on my life? And so today, I want to look at this idea through the life of Gideon. And I do so by presenting some principles and keys that I trust will be a help to us all. Um, in just a moment, we will read about the voice of God calling Gideon, just as the voice of God is calling you and me. But let me just say a couple of preliminary things about it. One is this. The calling of God is universal. Say the word universal. universal. Every one of us have a calling of God upon our lives. It's not just preachers, it's not just pastors, it's not just singers and musicians as we've seen here this morning, it's not just missionaries that we're praying for, it's not just teachers, though what an incredible calling that is. Every one of us has a calling from God to be fulfilled and in every season of our life. The calling of God is not only universal, it is also unique. Say the word unique. We are all called to a portion within His plan within his destiny, within his purposes, within his kingdom, and you are uniquely equipped and you are uniquely gifted. All the experiences of your life 
everything you had that has brought you to this moment, the hurts, the pains, the, the valleys, the challenges, the battles, every season of your life has equipped you in one way or another to minister something or to bring something to touch and influence people as only you can do it in the way that only you can do. So the call of God is universal, the call of God is unique, and the call of God is unending. Say unending. Because I want to propose to you this morning that the call of God, that there is a call of God for every season of your life. Some people feel like they have only had a calling for a certain part of their life, and it's in the past. But there is a call of God for every season of your life. And I propose this also. As long as you are breathing, as long as a heart is beating in your chest, you are called of God to accomplish something that only you can accomplish. Can I get an amen today? And as we look at Judges chapter 6 and the context in which the calling of God came to Gideon, we find that it is very close to us, the context of it. It's very close to our reality. It's very close to our ethos, very close to the challenges of life that you and I face right now in 2018. So let's read it. Judges chapter 6. I'm starting with verse 1. The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. So the Lord handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. The Midianites were so cruel that the Israelites made hiding places for themselves in the mountains, the caves, and the strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, marauders from Midian, Amalek, and the people of the east would attack Israel. Not good days. Camping in the land and destroying crops as far away as Gaza, they left the Israelites with nothing to eat taking all the sheep, all the goats, the cattle, all the donkeys. These enemy hordes coming with their livestock and tents were as thick as locusts. They arrived on droves of camels too numerous to count, and they stayed until the land was stripped bare. So Israel was reduced to starvation by the Midianites, and then the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help. When they cried out to the Lord because of Midian, the Lord sent a prophet to the Israelites, and he said this. This is what the prophet said. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I brought you up out of slavery in Egypt. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of the word. The context, as I had mentioned, is very similar to to many of us, and that is this. The hand of the enemy was strong upon them. The hand of the enemy was heavy against them, and the same is true for many of us in this room this morning. You have felt as if the hand of the enemy was even stronger than the hand of God being upon you. His hand has been heavy against your family, against your children, or against your health, or even your calling. In so doing, he's attacking your joy. It attacks your peace. It attacks the very purposes of God in your life. It can attack your mind. You know what I'm talking about. It can attack your faith. Their enemy came to steal and destroy everything that they had sown. It is that feeling, it is that despair that in some moments in our lives that we've all battled with, that, that sense that everything that I seem to be sowing, everything that I seem to be accomplishing for God, and everything was, was, was coming up and progress was being made and advancement was being made and things were moving forward and things were looking good, but the enemy comes and steals it 
and I'm back at zero. Who knows what I'm talking about this morning? I've been sowing, and I'm starting to see some fruit, starting to see some good things happen, and it looks so promising, and and things are looking better, and it's coming, and then the enemy comes in like a flood, and it looks at that moment, that's the place where it looks to us as if there is absolutely nothing left. We start asking ourselves, do I have to start again? Do I have to start over again? Do I have to sow again? And the enemy was encamped against them, the Scripture says. In the Hebrew, that word encamped is, uh, like is, is surrounding them, which means it's, it's all that they could see. All, all they could see was their enemy all around them. I don't know about you, but I've been in that place many times where the problem, the battle, the desert... It's as if it's all you can see. Who, who, do I get a witness here this morning? It can happen. It's like for me, it's felt so often like it's sitting on the bridge of my nose right here. And I have to try to look around because all I can see is the enemy. All I can see is, is the negativity that's happening and what's coming. Again. It's sitting right here. And that's where the Israelites were. They, they couldn't see God's faithfulness in, in their lives. They couldn't see God's promises. It's that place where the enemy tries to steal from our minds, our hearts, and our faith all that God has done for us. He tries to take it away and becomes all that we can see. But not only were they blind, were the Israel's blind, Israelites blind to the working of God in their lives, they were also blind to their own rebellion. They're blind to their own hardness of heart, to their own responsibility for the mess that they were now in. They were were blind to that which had brought them so much hurt and horror. And now there's an army of what some historians say 135,000 soldiers who were terrifying them. Not only terrifying them, but they were impoverishing them, as we read in the Word a moment ago, taking away everything that that they had, impoverishing them until the most simple and normal things of life, the easy things of life, seemed out of reach. It's, It's that person in the house today who's faced that same thing, and you wonder if you're ever gonna smile again, and you wonder if you're ever gonna serve the Lord even in the same way that you've done in, in the past. And we find Gideon in a cycle that's very real, and I would, let me define that cycle for you. It's a cycle of disobedience that brings disaster, and then he calls out for deliverance to restore Israel's destiny. Here's the cycle. Disobedience, then to disaster, looking for deliverance to restore their destiny. And that same cycle is not only true for Israel, but it can be true for you and me in our lives today. That's where they were. That's where they found themselves. And yet, church, God had called Israel to be a light to the nations. He had called his people to be extraordinary. He had called his people to be unique. He had called his people to be a testimony. He had called them to be the reflection of his goodness and his faithfulness and his power. He had called them to be a reflection of who God is. And I say that's true for you and me today. Not one of us is called to mediocre, me- mediocre Christianity or mediocrity. Not one of us is called to be just like everyone else. The call to his people was, was reflected 
in the way they treat one another, in their love, and their justice, their kindness, their generosity, their supernatural ability to forgive. How many know it takes supernatural ability to forgive? And their faith and their direction and their steadfastness and their joy and their peace. And in the midst of the worst storm, they were to be a testimony to the nations. And that is our calling today. But they had disobeyed. Instead of looking to God and His promises, here's where they started to look. They started to look at the people around them. They didn't look to God. They didn't look to His promises. They didn't look to His plan, His purposes. They started looking at the people around them. They started studying the activity and the the nature and the ways of the, the nations that were around them. They started to look at their amorality, their lifestyles, their choices in life, their idolatry, and the, the idols of their lives. And they started copying what was around them in their cycle of disobedience. And there's something I want you to remember today, it is this. What you copy will capture you. Say that with me. What you copy from this world will capture you. And in his cycle of disobedience and that led to disaster, Gideon was hiding in this place, which, the place which literally means the dry place, the, the, the desert place. It's the place where nothing grows here. Nothing grows here. Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. They did not obey his voice. But then verse 6 of chapter 6, when they had suffered so much, Israel was reduced to starvation by the Midianites. And then the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help. You know what? That's the place where most of us came to the Lord, isn't it? It's not His desire nor His will, but most of those who have drifted away from God to a place where they are so uh, impoverished and so miserable, and that is the place where we call, where we finally call on God. And at this moment in history that we just see in verse 6, we find the whole nation of Israel is on the phone calling on God. The whole nation is. Dear God, come and get us. We will never do this again. We promise. We, do you, we, pro, we prom, you we promise? Everybody promise? We will never do this again. God, come and get us. And church, listen to me today. If there's only one thing you remember from this message, please remember this. It's so important that you hear this. For some of you, it's a matter of life and death that you hear this and never forget it. Do you know what has been and what will always be God's response when you call on him? He will come to you and he will take you back. Hallelujah. However, and you may not clap for this part, sometimes he loves us too much to allow us to escape the consequences of our stupid mistakes and our stubborn rebellion. He will allow us to experience the consequences so that we will grow and that we will learn and we will change. But the good news is he will take you back. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So I want us to discover this morning in Gideon how God's call changed a zero to a hero and transforms the fearful into a mighty warrior. 
and the shameful and the failure into a model testimony, and I do it with three very simple truths. If you're taking notes, this is a time. Three very simple truths in understanding the fulfilling of the call of God on your life, and here are the three. Number one, the perspective and response of our calling. Number two, the present tense and release of our calling. And then the prince of peace and the renewing of our calling. The perspective and response, the present tense and release, the prince of peace and renewing. I want you to turn to the person next to you and say, your calling is calling. Do it right now. Gideon is a hero who doesn't think of himself as one. He's a hero who will question God and no doubt question his calling. He's a hero who comes from so far and so deep, but he seems to be going nowhere so fast. A hero like all of us at one point or another in our lives, but a hero in need of a fresh perspective. Have you ever been to the place in your life where you needed a fresh perspective? The first key to understanding God's call in your life based on this Judges chapter 6 is the perspective and response of our calling. Let me continue reading verses 11 through 13. Then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree at Ophrah, That was before talk show hosts, okay? (laughs) The angel of the Lord came and sat there, which belonged to Joash of the clan of of uh, Abiezer. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat where? At the bottom of a winepress. Why? To hide the grain from the Midianites. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero! The Lord is with you. Get the picture. Sir, Gideon replied. And then right here is where we see Gideon saying out loud what many of us have said in the quiet or in the the secret of our own hearts. But by the way, God's not afraid of our questioning and our secrets. But Gideon's response here is a sign of his despondency and deep turmoil. Here's 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 what he says, he responded, sir, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites, Church, when God begins to restore his calling on your life, he needs to bring us to that place where we see ourselves as he sees us. But where, unfortunately, for most of us, where does our perspective and our perception of ourselves come from? Where have we allowed it to come to us? It comes from the people in our lives, comes from our past, comes from our parents, Hopefully you had good ones, not everyone did. Some who still have sown great words, some others who have done something else. It comes from also those who come from an alcoholic home or a very violent father. It comes from those in our lives who are far from God, our perspective and our view of ourselves and how we see ourselves. It also comes from those in our lives who are far from God and, and who are evil and who are lying to us. And words were sown into our lives. Don't ever forget, the power of life and death is in the... 
in the tongue. How you see yourself, the perception you have of yourself, it comes from your surroundings, from your past. It may come from the country of origin or the nations that you've, nation you've lived in, or maybe it came from the neighborhood you were brought up in. That's how you see yourself, or from your family, or from your life experience. But when God begins to restore his call in our lives, he wants to bring us day to day to a place where we can gain the perspective according to what he sees in us. And God says, Gideon! You are a mighty man of valor. And Gideon's response, no, I'm not. I'm not. No, I'm not. That's because Gideon is speaking the language of uh, of unbelief. We just read in, in verse 13 that he says, if and why and where and when. That's the language of unbelief. Yeah, but if, uh, if that's true, and, and why has all this happened to us? And where are the miracles? And how come I'm here? How come I'm in this place today? You, you call me a mighty man of valor, but no, I, here I am, I'm, I'm in a basement, I'm, I'm in a cave, and I'm, I'm filled with fear. My father's idols are all, uh, all around me, and I'm threshing wheat in a cave of fear and failure in the shadow of my dad's past, of my dad's idolatry. That's all I am, and that's all I will ever be. And right now, I feel abandoned by you. I feel that you're not there for us. And what's the Lord's answer to him? The Lord said, oh, I'm sorry, wrong place. I got the wrong person. Let me go find who I meant that message for. Let me reprogram my GPS to the address, Mr. Spotless Record at 777 Perfection Road. No, that's not God's answer at all. Verse 14. Then the Lord turned to him and he said this, go with the strength that you have. Say that with me. Go with the strength that you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites because I am sending you. I think all of us have been around those people. I have some in my life, you have some in yours who with a negative attitude feel very righteous and very right about saying this. You know what? I just call it like I see it. I just just call it like it is. I keep it real. I'm just calling it like I see it. And my response to that is this. What a lousy way to live. What a lousy way to live. Don't call it like you see it. Call it like God sees it. Call it like God says it. Call it like he promised it. And the Lord says to him, go with the strength that you have. And let me give you the first little key here. Our calling is not passive. It is active. Say that with me. Our calling is not Activate what you have now, Gideon. Activate who I am in you now. Activate my promises in you. Activate
activate what I have done for you. You are a mighty man of valor because I am is with you. You will overcome because I am calling you and I am sending you. Activate the forgiveness I called you to. Activate the grace I called you to and and, and receive it and shed the past. Activate the love I've called you to, the faith and the promises. Go in the strength that you have. Say it one more time with me. Go not the strength you once had before when you felt better and you were younger. And getting up out of bed wasn't so hard. Hello? Amen? Not the strength you had once before. Not the strength you think you should have to do, fulfill the calling of God. Oh, if, if I was going to fulfill that, I should have. No, not that. Nor in the strength that you see, that you think you see other people have that they don't really. Oh, what he says, bring your loaves and fishes. Bring the little that you have and bring it to me now and let me work out my calling in your life because in your weakness, my strength will be made perfect. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The calling of God is not passive. Many of you today need to activate the forgiveness now. You need to activate the promises of God now. You need to activate in that sense that I I am a child of God. For God is saying to you today, you are my child. I have called you. I know you. And yes, I know what has brought you to this moment. But I am with you. And, and, And your valor is not in your promises fulfilled or broken. Your valor is not in your sacrifice, but in my sacrifice. Your valor is not in your exploits, but in my exploits. Your valor is not in your faithfulness, but bless God, your valor is in my faithfulness. I have called you and I am sending you, and I will be with you. Many of you have done some extensive travel in the world. Becky and I have done our fair share. And some of you have had the same experience that we've had. You're packing, and it's that time of stress, the last two or three hours before you, you know, you got to dart off to DFW. You're trying to leave to get to the airport, to get to a foreign destination somewhere, and you're looking all over the house, and you can't find your passport. How many of you have had that situation? And you know how that goes. You start calmly, kind of looking, this has got to be here somewhere. And you're looking, and then, you're cal- and then all of a sudden, uh, you know, your, your calm turns into panic, and panic begins to set in quickly. You're only two hours from needing to be at the airport, and you can't find it, and it'll take three or four weeks to get another one. And so you start going through every piece of clothing, and you start throwing it all over the house, and you're emptying every pocket, and then it goes from that into doing stupid things like looking for it in your toothpaste, looking for it anywhere you can find it. Just looking for that crazy passport. You're losing patience and throwing stuff everywhere. And then suddenly, you pick up that one bag that you've not looked in yet. And finally, you see it. It's your passport. And you start to kiss it. Thank you that I found you. It's not just a funny story. But listen to this. When that happened to me. I had momentarily lost sight of that which gives me access to the resources of my citizenship. I had momentarily lost sight of that which gives me access to the resources of my citizenship. 
And this is what God says to Gideon. You're my child. You're my son. And I am with you. That's the resources that you have in the sovereign God Almighty. And that is how you need to see yourself. Understanding and fulfilling the call of God, the perspective and response of our calling. It is not passive. It is active. The next key is this. The present tense and the release of our calling. The present tense and release of our calling. Church, listen to me. Your calling is not in the past nor in the future. It is in the present. Let me try the balcony. The main floor didn't do so good. Your calling is not in the past nor in the future. It's in the present. Balcony. Thank God they're there. Good. Verse 15. But Lord, Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh. And I'm the least in my entire family. The Lord said to him, I will be with you. And you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. Surely I will be with you. Will you come with me? Our calling is not in the past nor in the future. It's in the present. Gideon's excuses, his rationalizations, and dangerous opposing and confronting of God's calling, guess what? It resembles ours. It resembles ours a little too much. And what is he saying? Lord, why did all this happen to us? Why are, where are the miracles of yesterday? Why have you allowed this to happen and looking in the future? And how can I ever restore or rescue Israel? How can I deliver today or tomorrow with that which happened to me yesterday? And he's saying what happened to me yesterday has rendered me incapable today of fulfilling the call of God that's been placed upon my life. And yet we hear God all through Scripture saying this, church, behold, I am doing a new thing. How many are thankful for the new thing that we have in God? Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Don't hold on to the things of the past. Don't let them paralyze you. For the fulfillment of God is in the present tense. You will live out the calling of God in the present tense, not in the past, and you need not wait for the future. Far too many people in the church love to talk about one day, one day, one day, one day when revival finally comes. And then others have a good old days mentality. Oh man, it was so great in the good old days. I've lived long enough to see lots of, lots of good old days. And then where we tend to have, what happens is we have this Christian nostalgia talking about how it used to be. How many have ever heard anybody talking about how it used to be? But church, we have to seize the call of God in the present tense because yesterday and tomorrow will always seem to us to be more fantastic than they were or will be. They always seem to be more fantastic. You can listen to those of my age who can say, oh, 20, 30, 40 years ago, God moved so wonderfully amongst us. Well, guess what? God did move wonderfully but we had battles every day. We went through deserts and fought demons and our nostalgia seems to have somehow put some pretty makeup over what actually happened in our past. Can I get a witness to that? And Gideon says, "And where are all the miracles of our ancestors? 
He seems to be thinking of some utopia where there were no battles and there were no fights. Who's he talking about? Is he talking about Moses? Is he talking about Abraham? Well, then, then go back and read the chapters of all the battles and the fights and the defeats and the hell and high water that they went through. They made it through just like you and I are going to make it through. Well, same thing with the future, because tomorrow can seem to be more fantastic than it actually will be. Oh, tomorrow is going to be amazing, because God will be amazing. We, we get this almost romantic view of what tomorrow is going to be, but my friend, there will be battles tomorrow, because we go through all of life like that. I think of uh, uh, a three- or four-year-old who is excited, they have maybe their older brother or sister is going back to school, and you ask them, a four-year-old, what do you want to do? I want to go to school, I want to go to school, I want to go to school. Because, you know, my brother, is, school is going to be so fantastic, I want to go to school. What happens when they get into school? I can't wait to get out of school, I can't wait to get out of school. I can't wait to get out. What happens when you're single? And there's plenty of them in this house, I want to be married, I want to be married, I want to be married. What do married people say? I want to be single. I want to be single. I want to be single. And I'm not speaking negatively to those who are desiring to have children and cannot have them, but when we hear some people say, oh, children, 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 that will be what will fulfill me. I want children. That will bring me happiness. And then they get here and you say, here, you want my children. When you're in college, you say, here's what you say, I want a job. I want to get my eyes on a job, I want a job, I want, I want a job, I want a job. And then you get to that job and you go, I want to retire, I want to retire, I want to retire. <laughs> and then we retire and here comes 7 o'clock in the morning and we go, I got to find something to do. I got to find something to do. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's not yesterday. It's not tomorrow. Your calling is for today. Love today. Forgive today. Serve today. Pray today. Believe today. Never forget, we live today. Yesterday cannot be changed, but tomorrow starts today. Your realization of tomorrow depends upon your release of yesterday. And you're renewing your response to God today. Because there will be no tomorrow if you just keep doing what you're doing today. Uh-uh. There will be no tomorrow unless you seize today, taking hold of it. Yesterday and tomorrow cannot seize the victories that God is calling us to today. The principles in understanding and fulfilling the call of God in your life. The perspective and response of our calling. Our calling is not passive, it is the present tense and release of our calling. Our calling is not in the past nor in the future, it is in the And finally, the Prince of Peace and the renewing of our calling. Gideon replied, if you are truly, give me just a minute to make this work here. If you're truly going to help me, show me a sign to prove to me that it really it is the Lord speaking to me. Okay, don't go away until I, I come back because I, 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 want, I want to go do something. Don't go away until I come back and I bring my offering to you. That angel replied, I will stay here until you return. So what happens, let me just skip through a little bit of this here. Gideon hurries home and prepares a meal. 
he brings it to offer it as a sacrifice. And he brings it back, verse 21, then the angel of the Lord touched the meat and bread with the tip of the staff in his hand, and fire flamed up from the rock, and consumed all that he has brought. And then the angel of the Lord disappeared. When Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he cried out, oh, sovereign Lord, I'm doomed. I've seen the angel of the Lord face to face. Oh, but the Lord replied, it's all right. Do not be afraid. You will not die. Do not be afraid. You will not die. And what was his response? Gideon built an altar to the Lord there, and he named it Jehovah Shalom, Yahweh Shalom, which means the Lord is our peace. Listen carefully, please. In 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul reminds us that all these things happened to them in the Old Testament to be examples to to you and to me, examples to us, to teach us as they they were all written for our understanding, our edification, our understanding, and our instruction. And Paul says this about this point right here. He says, don't miss this picture. Don't miss it. As Gideon brings his sacrifice, gone away, prepared, brings it back, and the fire from heaven comes and consumes it. You know what he was doing? He was announcing God's plan where God will bring his sacrifice. That God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That Jesus would come and be the perfect sacrifice where all of our fears, all of our failures, all of our worst, most despicable mistakes, all of our repeated sin would be upon him. And he who knew no sin and was spotless came for the sinner, the innocent paying for the sinner, the innocent being tempted in all things and yet not sinning, but rather would bring help to those who are tempted. And heaven would come and consume the sacrifice and accept the sacrifice. And as he died and then was resurrected, all those who would come and receive his sacrifice and renew their communion with the Prince of Peace would then build an altar to be able to experience supernatural peace in their calling. Our calling is not in the past. It's not passive, it's active. It's not in the future, not in the past. It's in the present. And our calling is not natural. Our calling is supernatural. Because it's not fulfilled in my strength. It's by His Spirit. It's not in my faithfulness. It is in the renewing of His fire in my heart. It is not in my courage, or my capacities. It is renewing my communion and my confidence in Him. And so, you and I today, we bring our sacrifice, and God's fire consumes it. And it terrifies us when that happens. But in that experience of close, intimate, right up face-to-face communion with Him, God speaks a word about your calling and what he's called you to do, and it is this. Do not be afraid. 
Say it with me. Do not fear. Fear not. Say it. Those words are found 365 times in Scripture. You have a fear not for every day of the year. And then we build an altar to the Lord. And we give it a name. We call it Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is our peace. The principles in understanding and fulfilling the call of God on your life. The perspective and response of our calling. Our calling is not passive, it is active. The present tense and release of our calling. Our calling is not in the past. It's not in the future. It's in the present. And the prince of peace and the renewing of our calling. Bring your sacrifice. Find that place of close communion with him. And experience his peace. Can you say amen, church? Bow your heads with me for a word of prayer. God, there are many in this room who have known some for years that there is a call of God on their life. Maybe their mother told them. Maybe their grandmother told them. Maybe they knew it for themselves. But somehow, Lord, the rigor of life has chipped away at them, causing them to doubt, to be discouraged, or even, in some cases, to give up entirely. So I'm asking, oh God, that you could Help us today to respond to your voice which is calling to us. O mighty man of valor. O mighty woman of valor. Let us remember that when you called us, you gave us a promise that you would go with us. Not only that, we don't need to be afraid because there's nothing to fear because the great I am is with us. Lord, I'm asking today that you help us rise from our position of being passive and become active in what you called us to do. Help us to release the past so that we can live in our today. And Lord, I'm asking for each of us, if there's been any distance that has come between us and you, could you restore to us that place of sweet communion? That place of sweet communion where we hear your words, fear not, be not afraid. And so that we could each build an altar within our hearts and call it Jehovah Shalom. I say all of this for the glory of the name of Jesus. And the church said, amen. I'm going to ask all the educators in the house, if you work in administration, you're on staff at a school, you're a teacher in the classroom, whatever, would you please stand at this moment? Those of you who are praying, if you would take your positions immediately and quickly, please. We want to expedite this. Everyone else, please remain seated for just a moment. The service will have a formal dismissal. If you are an educator, if you're in the balcony, please make your way quickly down right now. Get in these aisles. Form a line in the aisles, and those who are there, they simply want to anoint you with oil. Once they have anointed you with oil, simply pass through where they are and come and meet us here at the front so we can have a word of prayer. All educators, if you would come from where you are right now, balcony, main floor, come to the aisles, let them anoint you, and then pass through to the front.